Hello and welcome to the Tech Narratives podcast. My name is Jan Dawson. This is episode 69, the episode for Tuesday, October the 3rd. And as yesterday, I am recording from New York City where I'm visiting for a couple of days. You may hear more sirens and things in the background than usual. As a result, I'm in the middle of Manhattan right now in a hotel room. I have 11 items to run through for you today from the site and then another four items in the roundup at the end. We'll kick things off with an announcement that actually came out yesterday but missed the cut for yesterday's edition. This announcement from Samsung and ADT, the alarm company, uh, which is that Samsung will be offering a uh, buy at retail, self-install alarm system which pairs smart things based devices from Samsung with some ADT technology and offers optional professional monitoring by ADT, uh, the alarm company. So this is just the latest in a series of announcements we've seen lately around self-install alarm systems. Nest, of course, recently announced its first Nest Secure system, which does exactly the same thing uh, and offers optional monitoring by a professional alarm company. And Ring, uh, another smaller smart home company, also announced a similar deal today. Uh, so uh, lots of announcements in this space lately. There's a certain logic to that, um, to the extent there is a self-install home automation market out there. Security is a logical part of that and a nice way to add some potential uh, annuity-type revenue streams to that for the companies making the gear. At the same time, the vast majority of people want professionally installed, managed, monitored smart home gear, not stuff they have to install and manage themselves with all the problems that entails. So it'll be interesting to see how this all uh, pans out over the next few months in competition with existing services, including from ADT, which are professionally installed and managed. Number two, BuzzFeed has a piece. Again, this kind of came out yesterday and missed the cut yesterday, but um, BuzzFeed has a piece that rounds up the various ways in which Facebook, Google, and Twitter all rather failed in terms of uh, the early linking to reputable news sites in the aftermath of the horrible shooting in Las Vegas uh, a Sunday night. Um, All three of these platforms, in the early running at least, had links to pieces that were far from reliable, reputable news sources show up in various places where people would expect to find uh, reliable news sources. And they they did quickly take those down, but it raises questions about why they did so badly in the early running especially and why they don't have better systems in place to prevent that kind of thing from happening. They were in some cases linking to sites like 4chan, which is basically sort of a conspiracy theory message board and not at all a reputable news site. So some real problems there that BuzzFeed does a good job diving into. Number three, uh, Recode is the article that I'm linking to here. Uber's due diligence report, which it had commissioned on Otto, the self-driving truck company, before it bought that company, uh, and which is at the heart of Waymo's lawsuit against Uber over LiDAR technology. That due diligence report was finally released today, both to Waymo, which had been wanting to use it in its court case for a long time, and to the public. And so uh, we now know all these details about the past here. Uh, The relevance of this document is it relates to what Uber knew about Otto and what uh, it might have taken from uh, Waymo or or Google self-driving unit when Anthony Lewandowski, the engineer there, Uh, moved to Otto, started Otto, and eventually moved to Uber. Uh, Of course, it's that very technology that's at the heart of the lawsuit. The problem here is that these documents certainly show Lewandowski had some of these documents uh, and uh, so on and so forth. The problem is it doesn't show that he took any of them to Uber, and Uber continues to maintain that when it found out about this, it asked him to destroy those documents, not bring them to Uber, and so on and so forth. So this leaves Lewandowski looking sort of guilty, but it certainly doesn't necessarily leave Uber looking guilty, which is what Waymo ultimately has to prove because the lawsuit isn't against Anthony Lewandowski. It's against 
Uber, which again, it hasn't proved that Uber actually did anything wrong there, despite some sort of uh, evidence that's emerged over the last few months. So um, not hugely conclusive, but Waymo will be digging deep into those documents to try to establish that proof. Number four, again, story from Recode, this one about Walmart acquiring a New York City delivery company called Parcel, which does same-day delivery services for lots of smaller e-commerce companies. And Walmart has decided to buy that company, uh, which will continue to provide those services for those other uh, smaller e-commerce outfits, but will also start to provide same-day delivery and so on for Walmart. This really echoes an acquisition made by Target a few months ago uh, of a company called Grand Junction, which provides similar services here in New York City. And uh, just another indication that although same-day delivery is still not realistic for pretty much any company, including Amazon, on a national basis in the U.S., there are pockets like New York where there's this enormous density of delivery services and things like that, where it does make sense economically and where these companies are going to increase the sort of density and capillarity of the logistics networks they build in these places. So logical to see both Target and Walmart go down that route after Amazon's rather pioneered that space over the last few years. Number five, the Financial Times reports that decisions likely coming this week, possibly tomorrow from the European Commission, asking Amazon to pay several hundreds of millions in back taxes to Luxembourg um, as part of uh, an investigation that the EU has been conducting for the last little while against Amazon. This is very similar to the case against Apple last year. In both cases, the companies had agreements with individual countries within the EU to pay taxes at a certain level, which would be considered compliance with local tax laws. And in both cases, the EU has basically said, we feel that was a sweetheart deal that you wouldn't have made the same deal with another company or another similar company would have paid higher taxes. And therefore, that's against EU rules and you have to pay those back taxes. In both cases, the countries have said they don't want the money. They'd rather have the companies continue to operate the way they have done, but the EU is taking action. So it sounds like we'll see action against Amazon here. Uh, latest in a long line of decisions around uh, taxes specifically, but also other areas. So we've been talking about recently with EU and Google Shopping, where the EU is taking action against big US companies, which can be seen at least two different ways, depending on your perspective here. Uh, Number six, the information has a piece about Waymo, Alphabet self-driving unit, mentioned earlier in the context of the Uber lawsuit, planning to launch its autonomous ride-sharing service in Phoenix sometime this fall, in other words, the next month or two, But the tech isn't really ready. So left turns in particular are apparently something of a problem for this technology, which you'd think would be a bit of a barrier to actually unleashing it on the world, especially given that the idea here is that these cars in the ride-sharing service will go without human drivers at all. And that if there is any human uh, uh, involvement in all of this, it will happen remotely um, rather than from human beings in the cars themselves. So not being able to make left turns is a bit of a big deal. And it just kind of highlights the fact that for all the progress that's been made around autonomous driving, there are still big challenges which haven't been overcome, even by a company as advanced as Waymo, which is generally considered to be at the forefront of this space, and in a market like Phoenix, where it's been testing for quite some time now, has presumably mapped out all the key roads and so on, and still has a hard time negotiating what to human beings are fairly simple uh, interactions. So remember that next time you see somebody claiming to have made massive progress and that autonomous driving is just around the corner. Number seven, probably the big news of the day, Microsoft made a whole range of announcements around what it calls mixed reality. Most of the rest of the world calls virtual reality. Uh, The latest announcement here from a hardware perspective is that Samsung is making a VR headset for Windows. This was something that had been leaked over the last couple of weeks, so everybody was expecting that to be announced today. This is at the higher end of the range, about 500 bucks relative to a range of 350 to 450 for most of these headsets. Uh, from other vendors so far. All these headsets will be launching in the next few weeks here. Uh, There will be a sort of a stripped-down version of a Halo game that will be available for VR for the first time. 
Microsoft acquired a company called Altspace VR, which was sort of a social VR company which had basically shuttered in the summer and was resurrected by Microsoft and is now being incorporated into its broader VR team and will be run basically as a social product on an ongoing basis. So a whole set of announcements here. Feels like we've got a good set of VR headsets now. We're finally actually getting these to market after months and months of talking about all of this from Microsoft and some of its partners. Uh, so good to see Microsoft finally get into this. They're clearly uh, one of the leaders in timing terms on the AR front, but not really in market terms because HoloLens is so marginal from a price and application perspective. VR for Microsoft seems much likelier to be a success. But those headsets, as I mentioned, in the sort of $350 to $500 range, which is very much where the premium rigs from companies like HTC, Oculus, and Sony are starting to land. And so this is not the sort of distinct space that I think Microsoft originally hoped it would be, but very much overlapping with that premium tier, which is going to make these a tough sell. It's going to make it even tougher to sell them given that mixed reality branding Microsoft's using, which nobody really else, nobody else really uses and certainly consumers won't understand to be VR. So I would certainly expect a lot of talk about VR informally, if not formally in the marketing for these devices. Number eight, the Wall Street Journal. Uh, here is the article I'm linking to. This is about Verizon uh, has announced that the Yahoo breach, which was originally said to affect 1 billion accounts, actually affected 3 billion accounts, essentially all of Yahoo's accounts that it had at the time. Uh, be careful about reading into that, that there are 3 billion people affected by this. Uh, Yahoo likely had very much fewer than 3 billion actual people behind those accounts. Many of those accounts were likely dormant or duplicate. I know I have a handful of Yahoo accounts bouncing around somewhere in the ether, none of which I've engaged with any time recently at all. I've created over the years, presumably still exist somewhere, but whose breach really has no impact on me. So the numbers actually affected by all this are likely much smaller than the number who had any kind of sensitive information involved in those breaches, likely smaller still. Uh, and the reality is with the Equifax hack and everything else that's been reported and the broader political stuff around tech companies and so on going on at the moment, I suspect this is going to get minimal coverage and will very quickly blow over. So I don't foresee any huge impact on Verizon going forward, sad as that may be. Number nine, uh, Bloomberg reporting that Comcast has over 200,000 subscribers for its Xfinity mobile service. This is the mobile virtual network operator service that it launched earlier this year and which recently went nationally available. Uh, that's a small number, obviously, in the grand scheme of things. It's about 1% penetration of its addressable base for this service. Uh, one of the interesting details is something that Comcast previously reported, but we can put it together with that 200,000 subscriber number which is that most of the customers are on a $12 per gig plan. In other words, a sort of pay-per-use type plan, which is quite different from how most of the market buys today, indicating that Comcast found some interesting new opportunities here, also potentially indicating it might actually be profitable even at this fairly small scale. As a reminder, even if it gets 10% of its base to sign up, it's still going to be a tiny, tiny fraction of the overall U.S. mobile market. So it's not going to have any meaningful impact on any of the existing mobile operators. Number 10, Amazon has acquired a startup called Body Labs, which creates realistic 3D models of people's bodies using cameras and so on. There's an obvious fit here with Amazon's Echo Look device, which is one of its more marginal members of the Echo family, uh, but which could get a lot more interesting if the technology involved in it gets better because it's there to take pictures and videos of your outfit for the day, give you feedback on those through AI and so on. This could give that a good boost. Uh, that device, in turn, seems like one of the more promising from the Echo lineup in terms of a direct tie into Amazon's e-commerce operation, especially clothing where it's made a huge push over the last year or two. So uh, well worth what looks like a 50 to $100 million acquisition uh, here from Amazon to try to boost that capability, which could in turn boost its clothing e-commerce sales quite a bit over the next few years. 
And then lastly, number 11, Bloomberg again, reporting that YouTube TV, the pay TV streaming service from YouTube, will be advertising as a major sponsor during the World Series this year for baseball. Um, this is the first real TV advertising that YouTube TV has done. And it reflects the fact that it's now available in about two-thirds of the country, uh, 49 of the biggest 50 cities in the U.S. So a lot of markets where it's missing, and YouTube's rolled out in a rather different way from a lot of other services where it basically hasn't launched in markets where it doesn't have all the local channels. Getting the local channels in turn is always a big hang-up in local markets because it means dealing with lots of affiliates which aren't owned directly by the major broadcast networks. So it's getting to the point now where it feels like it can do a national advertising push a bit funny in that the Turner networks are missing and TBS specifically will be carrying the National League playoff games. Uh, so if you had YouTube TV, you can actually watch, couldn't actually watch half uh, the playoff games leading up to the World Series. But once the World Series is done, presumably that matters a lot less, at least for this year, and perhaps they'll be added by next year. But certainly this should boost awareness significantly beyond where I th think it's currently very low awareness of this service around the country. So should help UTV, YouTube TV be much more competitive uh, in terms of market share going forwards if it does this big push. That's the last of the 11 items that I wrote about today on the site. Four other items to round up for you here at the end. Uh, Recode has an essay from the CEO of Cruise Automation, which is GM's self-driving unit that it acquired a while back, talking about testing self-driving cars on the streets of San Francisco and why that's important because it's very challenging relative to other markets with more open roads and wider roads and so on. And they specifically mentioned Phoenix, and this is clearly a dig at Waymo and Uber and some of the other companies that are testing self-driving cars in Phoenix. The point is, Cruise's technology has been said to be really subpar by a lot of people who've worked on it over the years. So it's a funny argument for them to be making, um, but part of a broader push by GM, which I'll mention in a second. Uh, secondly, Marketing Week has a piece on um, trends in the media industry coming out of um, some of the events that have been happening in New York City in the last couple of weeks around advertising and so on. Some interesting insights into trends in the market and so on. A bit of a deep dive into some of that. But if that's of interest, that might well be an interesting read for you. Thirdly, linking to a piece here on LinkedIn by Mary Barra, who's the uh, head of GM. I mentioned cruise automation just now and some of their boasts about self-driving, which seem to be on pretty shaky ground. Um, but the point here is GM is making a big commitment to three big goals, zero crashes, zero emissions, zero congestion. So it's about electrification uh, and the improvements associated with that, ride sharing and then autonomous driving, all three of which are the, the three big shifts happening in the car industry. So no surprise that GM's committed to those, but it's talking quite aggressively about them. Uh, and again, making a point it made a few months back about uh, getting to scale production on self-driving cars, which continues to be a hugely misleading thing. Being able to produce those cars at scale is very different from having the technology ready to go into those cars, which GM certainly doesn't have yet. So take all of that with a pinch of salt. And then lastly, more detail from Facebook. I don't want to cover this yet again today, but it's here in the roundup. More detail from Facebook on the Russian ads bought last year, uh, the nature of those ads, who saw them, how many people saw them, who they were targeted at, and so on. There is some interesting detail in there, but didn't feel like it was worthy of a piece in its own right today. So I'll just link to that in the show notes as usual. Thanks very much for listening. Tomorrow I will be on my way back from New York to home. So my best guess is that I'll either record the episode very late in the evening on Wednesday or there won't be a Wednesday episode and we'll just do uh, Thursday's episode as the next one. So don't be surprised if there isn't an episode tomorrow or if it shows up a little later than usual. Should be back to the usual schedule on Thursday. Thanks very much for listening and we'll talk to you later in the week. Bye-bye.